And welcome in everyone to Off of the Helmets, courtesy of our friends at DSPmediaonline.com. I'm Brady Tinker, thrilled to be here with you on this Friday evening. Hopefully a lot of you will get to see this before the game on Sunday. Got lots to do. Let's talk about the Cowboys and the Lions at at and And let's talk about the return of Dak. How good can this offense be to go with this really good defense? And welcome back, everybody, to Off of the Helmets, presented by ESP Media. Find us at ESP Media Online. Find us at YouTube. Find us at all podcast platforms if you're an audio-only person. I'm thrilled to be back with Off the Helmets. That This would be show number 215 if we were still doing this with ESPN, but we got lucky. DSP Media is blowing up. 21 podcasts that we are producing here with this team. Probably be 30, maybe by the end of the year. So big things happening here. So many of them. Cowboy-related, Longhorn-related, Southwest-related. Shows you want. And they asked me, would you start up with Off the Helmets again? And I said, don't really have a local place to go do it yet. And we ain't ESPN. But yeah, let's get it started. Let's do it from our studios. And tonight I'm going to do it from my house so you get to see where I hang out during the day when I'm trying to find out information for you. Cowboys versus the Lions at AT&T Stadium. The Cowboys are 4-2, and two, which should be a celebration. Anybody hung over because they lost to Philadelphia in Philadelphia with Cooper Rush at quarterback is probably making a mistake. After Dak got hurt right at the what, beginning of the third quarter against Tampa, and that game went 19-3 to as a loss. Most of us thought, unbelievable, that we are going to endure a tank season halfway through game number one. But we didn't. Cooper Rush stepped up. The coaching staff stepped up. The defense stepped up. Special teams, everybody stepped up. And Rush did what he knows how to do. He did not try and overextend himself. And luckily, the offensive coordinator was reined in a little bit as well because I know Mike McCarthy's hand was heavily in an offense that went two tight ends a lot, lots of running game, lots of defense. We're going to slow our heart rate down, and we are going to do our best to impose our will on teams. And when was the last time you really felt like a Cowboys defense or offense did that? Maybe all the way back to the 90s. So here come the Lions, four and two Cowboys, one and four Lions. They've had a break, uh, and it was probably miserable because Dan Campbell and his group had to sit around and think about how the number one scoring team in the NFL until week number five, when they got beat 29 to nothing by the New England Patriots, who we didn't even really know were a very good defense. They generally get there, but the Patriots came in and shut down this Jared Goff-led offense, which spreads people out, runs the ball pretty well. DJ Chark's a good player. He gets uh, Amon Ross St. Brown back this week. Looks like maybe DeAndre Swift plays as well, so they'll have a nice two-headed monster in there, and they will try to run the football against your team. I promise you the Cowboys will be ready. So the Lions may backdoor some points here before this game is over, but the Cowboys are going to win this game. The big question is, how are they going to go about it? Do you keep doing what you've been doing, which is running the football, dominating at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball? You get the defense to work on tackling a little bit better, which they're going to have to do against DeAndre Swift and uh, Jamal Williams uh, and Amon Ross St. Brown, DJ Chark. They're going to spread you out and they're going to try and run a lot of plays. So it will be up to the Cowboys to tackle better, specifically mostly the corners and somewhat the safeties. We'll have to do a better job of wrapping up and attacking uh, a little more shark-like. Um, I think is is a term that was used this week by the Cowboys' best defensive player. Um, so, okay, I'm good with all that. Lions issues are aplenty. Dan Campbell, former Cowboy, if you didn't remember that, was a very good tight end, was a hard ass on this team, was a captain on this team when Jason Witten got drafted. And very quickly, Jason Witten made his way into the hearts of Cowboys fans and Bill Parcells. 
and kind of took over his role. But Dan Campbell was a very good cowboy. He is a hard ass and is a good coach, and his players play hard for him. They're lacking in talent a little bit, especially on the defensive side of the ball, as they rank dead last in defense. Another example of what it's like to be a Lion this year is new coaching staff, new regime came in, new GM came in and clean house and said, we don't need our kicker, Matt Prater. He makes $2.5 million, $3 million. We ain't paying a kicker that kind of money. You can get kickers off the street. They are now on their 10th kicker of the season. And it's gotten so bad that Dan Campbell has gone for it on fourth and eight and fourth and nine in successive games this year because he don't trust his kicker, whoever it may be this week. That's what it's like to be a Lions fan. It's also like one and four coming off a bye week where you had to think about 29 to nothing. You had to suck on that one. Not very much fun. So the news for you is Dak Prescott is back. He took what he believes is an extra week. I'm not sure I believe it. And I've been on record saying I'm worried that he has a lower body injury to go along with this hand and the screws in the plate that are in the thumb. So there are lots of things working here. And I think we're going to have a pretty good idea of what the Cowboys are going to do and what Dak Prescott is actually capable of early in this game, because this is a bad defense. So if all this is, is Dak needing a little bit more confidence in what his lower body is capable of doing, let me pull my microphone a little closer just in case, then you want to go against the Lions and you want to hang 40 on the Lions. What the hell? And then the Bears next week, they're a much better defense, but you can beat them too. And then you get to six and two and you have a bye week and everything's great. Or you do what you've been doing and you play it conservatively and you let Dak work his way back in slowly, run the football, let play action pass, set it up, let him hit that third or fifth step and come out with some on-time plays. The bottom line is he's been gone for six weeks. And while he's been standing on the sidelines and supporting his teammates and in every meeting and first in and last out, all the stuff that you would expect him to do, he hasn't played. And Jerry was all excited last week before the Eagles game because he looked so good throwing on the field pregame. I'm like, who gives a shit? That doesn't make any difference. These are real bullets that are getting ready to be fired. And even if they're fired by the Lions, who may be shooting Nerf bullets, they're still real bullets. So Dak Prescott, you may remember, in his first six games of last year was phenomenal. 293 yards a game, nearly three touchdowns a game, three rushes a game. He wasn't running much because of recovering from the injury. And on October 27th, there was a strain, a calf strain. And it was just a couple of days after that that I stand with, stood with a gaggle of people in the locker room. And he said, it is my belief, full belief, that this calf strain is related to my catastrophic ankle injury, to my leg that was in six pieces. I thought it was interesting that he told us that. You can tell the trainers and Britt Brown and the staff and the doctors, you can ask for MRIs or x-rays or whatever you're going to do. Why would he tell us that? thought that was interesting in the time, and I thought it was telling. He was admitting that there's still something he was concerned about in that leg. And who can damn well blame him? Who can blame him? What would you do if you looked down and saw what he saw in the 2020 season when his leg is going all over the place? You would be freaking out, no doubt. So in the last 10 games, instead of averaging 293, he averaged 263. He averaged just under two touchdowns a game. 7.6 yards a game rushing, but he had very few rushing carries. And I think we'll all have to admit they didn't run the ball as well as a team. And Dak Prescott wasn't the same guy all the way to taking two extra steps too many in the playoff game against San Francisco and not getting down to give your chance a, a team to score at the end and try and win that game in advance. So we come around to week number one against Tampa. But right before that game started we had heard maybe three or four days before all of a sudden Dax limping in the middle of the field Britt brown's out there with him with his arm around him Dax looks unhappy and dismayed 
And then the cowboy said, it's a shoe thing. Nike, Nike got him a new shoe. He wore it. He may have tweaked his ankle or, or his, his lower ankle a little bit because it didn't feel right. Don't worry about it. Well, then just a couple of days later, finally, they came out and said, the truth is there was scar tissue from the original surgery and the in injury in 2020 that literally tore apart. Apparently, perfectly natural. That's what's going to happen. That scar tissue is going to loosen up. You're going to feel even better. You're going to feel more mobility. You're going to feel great. Only I never saw him looking like he felt great. And week one against Tampa, in the first half of that football game, he was 14 for 29. For 134 yards, he threw a miserable interception that had no legs and no ass in it. Uh, he ran twice for 11 yards and... When he got hurt with a thumb injury, that was the second injury he was dealing with. I promise you, something is wrong with his lower body. So hopefully six weeks in, Cooper Rush has gotten us to this point. Way to go. The coaching staff has gotten us to this point. There's been very little panic. This team has done what you wanted it to do, and Dak is back. Fingers crossed that Dak is back healthy. If Dak is back healthy, then this is a perfect plan because the Lions are the worst defense in the NFL, the Bears are the worst offense in the NFL, and the Cowboys should handle both of these games at home in the confines of AT&T Stadium and get themselves to 6-2 and two, and then have a bye week and assess everything. Everybody gets stem and whatever and ice baths and, and drinks with umbrellas in them, and we have a good time because the truth is at 6-2, and two, this thing will have gone magnificently. You have to admit it, magnificently. And I think maybe the bye week is perfect. Maybe Dalton Schultz gets fully healthy. Jason Peters, we're getting closer to Tyron Smith. Think of all the little things that could happen here. And there may be a trade made, and we'll get to that in a minute because they have plenty of money to spend, the third most money in the NFL. And I'm not going to go there yet. Talk about the tight end situation. Dalton Schultz is forcing his way into this game. He went full practice today. But if we've watched him for the last three weeks, he had a sprained ACL. He took a week off. Then he came back and played. Three balls got thrown his way in that game. He didn't catch any of them, and he didn't look right. And then he played again last week against Philadelphia and tweaked his ankle or his knee again. And it was obvious. He was in discomfort. It was obvious there's something wrong with that knee. Apparently, it didn't get any worse. It's just a sprain. And he left the rest of that game, but he's busted his ass to get back in. Now, you have to appreciate this. This is a man that got tagged and is making roughly $11 million. And one of the things that's really important that we might be pushing aside is they've done fine without him. Dak hasn't been the quarterback. And who does Dak really like to throw the ball to, who turns around and shows him both of his numbers and who catches every pass and who caught 78 passes last, last year? That's Dalton Schultz. Not to say that he will not get used to Jake Ferguson, who's making an impact, and we'll just go ahead and go there now. Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot, Hendershot undrafted, Ferguson drafted by the Cowboys in round four out of Wisconsin. And by the way, if I had a little video to roll in right here, which I don't at my disposal, I would play you Jake Ferguson's touchdown against Philadelphia last week because he ran a little five-yard out, slammed on the brakes, let the defender fly by, pushed somebody else aside, and high-stepped his way into the end zone. And holy shit, it was Travis Kelsey. I mean, this guy's 6'6", 240. Uh, his legs were fast and were moving high. I was like, look at him move. Holy crap, I didn't know he could do that. I mean, coming out of Wisconsin, they block. That's what they do. But Jake Ferguson, Ferguson can play, Peyton Hendershot can block, and maybe something else comes out of that. So Dalton Schultz, this is old school. This is Charlie Waters uh, getting a nine-inch rod uh, beat into the top of his shoulder in his sixth year in the NFL because he was worried about losing his job. And the money was a lot different then. But 
Schultz wants to play. Schultz wants to play for his money. Schultz wants to be there for his quarterback, and he wants to be part of what he sees, and we all see it as a potential really good team that is for the first time in a long time maybe built for the playoffs. Maybe this is a cold-weather, slobber-knocker team, and you get Dak feeling really good, and by week 14 or 15, this is back to being a good offensive team. Uh, the defense has 24 sacks through six games. By the way, that's most in the NFL. Through six games, that is the most for a Cowboys team since 1987. That's too tall, Randy, Dutton, and Jeff Coat, if you're looking for who did that. Pro Football Focus had the top breakout player of the year being Kelvin Joseph. It has been a bit of uh, a dismaying thing that has brought people to some level of consternation. Number one was the person who got in the way of Cavante Turpin's uh, take it to the house, which turned out to be 67-yard kickoff return last week because he basically stopped moving. He didn't stop blocking, but he stopped moving and he lost track of the flow of the kick. And all he's got to do is turn around and keep hands on his man. Instead, he ends up the two of them running together. Kelvin Joseph has played a total of eight plays on defense this year. And I don't know what you know about him, but he started out at LSU, got into trouble, transferred and in total in college, played the equivalent of essentially one year's worth of football. So he hasn't played a lot. Then he didn't play a lot last year. Then he was implicated in something in the offseason that he's not going to be charged for. But all of it to say, Kelvin Joseph needs to remember, like so many young players coming into the NFL, it stands for not for long. And that is, fuck around, don't work, don't show up, don't care for a minute, especially on a good football team, and you will not be in the NFL very long, young man. So get it together because I know there's a lot of people, pro football focus had him a breakout player this year, Kelvin Joseph. Those are the skills they think he has. Moving on. The offense for the Dallas Cowboys. Dak returns. Please be healthy. I think you will know on a bootleg. You will know on an RPO where he keeps the ball, runs, and slides for nine yards. You will know when you see that right foot plant hard on the fifth step and throw a layered throw over the top of the linebackers underneath the cornerbacks for about 20 yards as an out. You'll know. If you don't see that, or if you see something that reminds you of the first two quarters of the Tampa Bay game, then we're all in trouble. Big trouble. Zeke Elliott last week, 81 yards. Old school Zeke TD run. Did you see it? Just beautiful. Just shaved off the left side, set the blocks up, set the defense up, and outran them to the pylon, which I didn't necessarily think he could do anymore. It turned me on. I want to tell you, man, how much fun was Zeke to watch in his first three years? Whatever it is, fewer carries, um, better design, the love of the new zone blocking scheme. Zeke Elliott looks good. He's not Zeke Elliott of the first three years. Don't get carried away. But he is a hell of a football player. He's turned out to be a really good cowboy. He works his ass off, and he and Dak are best friends, and there's value to that. And, by the way, he gets over 10,000 total yards as a Dallas Cowboy. That's a big-ass number. C.D. Lamb has 33 catches, and I would say through six games, you'd say, pretty good. I didn't even look. It's probably top 15 in total number of catches in the NFL at this point, I'm guessing. Only 12 yards per carry bothers me a little bit. Two touchdowns came in back-to-back -back weeks, but there is effort and or body language that sucks. It sucked in the Philadelphia game when he's breaking open on a in route about 25 yards down the field. Rush gets hit, the ball is short, and instead of diving into the would-be interceptor, he runs past him like it's the junior high school game and everybody around him sucks and how could they be so bad? Pissed me off. That's not a football play. Put your feet in the ground. You saw that ball was going to be intercepted. Dive on top of him. I know there's going to be contact. It's fucking football. Play the game right because so many guys on your team are playing right. And because they damn well gave you 88. And I know you didn't want it, but they are depending on you. 
So that is effort and consistency of route running, of attitude, of keeping your damn chin up. You're the one. You're the dog. You're the alpha dog. Cooper is gone. It's you. It's going to get 175 balls thrown your way. It is time for C.D. Lamb to step up. Don't give a damn if he's been frustrated with Cooper Rush or less throws or anything else because Dak's going to be rusty and you're going to be frustrated with him too. Get your head out of your ass. Michael Gallup, two catches uh, in his first game back and a touchdown was impactful. Four catches in game two for 44 yards and last week two for 18 against Philadelphia. He's still getting there. And the one thing we know is Dak trusts one person that's on this wide receiver squad in a 50-50 ball uh, or a one-on-one run deep route, and that is Michael Gallup. So the Cowboys need to be able to throw the ball down the field. The reason that the Eagles were everywhere last week is because Cooper Rush wasn't going to throw the ball down the field. They knew it. So you had 11 men creeping towards the line of scrimmage. Everything was tough, to be honest with you. The way the Cowboys ran the football last week was frigging awesome because there were 11 Eagles standing within about five yards of the line of scrimmage on every offensive play. Noah Brown has been has disappeared a little bit, and he's earned those reps. I would like to see Noah Brown on the field. The other thing is, and we'll talk about it, maybe there's a trade to be made. And somebody, please, coach up Jalen Tolbert. I, nobody's told me anything. I don't know what Jalen Tolbert is doing or isn't doing. But what happens with rookies is, and this is not directed at him, what happens with rookies who don't play that you thought were going to play, especially when you see him put his foot in the ground and when you see the wiggle he's got. I watch him in practice, and I'm like, on the field, please. We need this guy on the field, but he's doing something or he's not doing something. Okay. Whether he doesn't have the playbook down, whether his attitude hasn't been good, whether special teams don't interest him, I, I don't know. But I know that they drafted Jalen Tolbert to play. They felt like he would be by this time a piece in this offensive puzzle. And he would not, he is not. And I coach him up. I, I don't care what he's doing right or wrong. Coach him up and get him out on the field. Your offensive line's looking better and better. Tyler Smith is way better than you thought. Admit it. We all heard about the penalties. I told you in preseason, you're going to freaking love this guy. He is so likable and so just affable. And he has a great vocabulary. And he's so much fun to talk about. And he's family and he's football. And he's happy to be here. And he's working his ass off. All that was going to be great. And everyone's like, but the penalties. This team already has too damn many penalties. You're right about all that. Hasn't he done a great job? He's really done a great job. He struggled a little bit in the Rams game, but overall, he's getting better every week. He wants to get better. He is the future at left tackle. The good news is Tyron Smith may be, after the bye week, getting back on the practice field. No rush, to be honest with you, the way they're playing at this point. No rush because also Jason Peters is back. He hasn't played a lot of plays. You may not know about him, but I will tell you, he is a semi and when he moves his feet correctly, his technique is beautiful, and he can block anyone at any time. So he's rotating in and out with McGovern at left guard. If he needed to, Peters could play a little bit of left tackle, I promise. Tyler Bedez's name has been said less and less. You weren't sure you liked him last year. He's getting better. Then there's Zach. Let's just keep moving. Zach's one of the 15 best players in the NFL. And then the other name you haven't heard is the right tackle, Steele, right? I mean, isn't that good? It is good. I promise you. Uh, and then the backups that you're not hearing about because people are staying healthy, fingers crossed, Matt well, let's go is some of the Cowboys like Josh Ball and Matt Farniak are all there for some depth, and certainly Jason Peters is that as well. So this offensive line's doing okay. If there's a trade deadline trade to be made, I don't expect it to be on the offensive line, and we're going to get to that in a minute. So here we go. The Lions are last in the NFL in defense. The Bears are last in the L uh, NFL in offense, and we got them. You know, there's no problem with it all with that, any of that. We got them. So all they got to do is keep their heads in the game. I think 
the one thing you get out of the Eagles game is they're pissed off. And Sirianni, their head coach, wasn't ass yelling "fuck you" across the field to various Cowboys, including the head coach, for whatever reason. And I don't really care what reason. If he was worried about his players getting hurt in the last minute 50 of that game, he could have gone to victory formation, kneeled down three times. We could have all gone home. But instead, he was making a point. And I think the good news is this is a hard-ass together Cowboys team that hasn't hardly said shit about that either. You know why? Because December 24th is circled on all of our calendars because it's Christmas Eve. It is also the day that the Philadelphia Eagles come to AT&T Stadium. This team will be ready. Trade deadline conversations. November 1st at 3 p.m. Central Time is the trade deadline. The Dallas Cowboys have the third highest amount of money to spend right now on a player or players. In the NFL, the third. Steven kept his powder dry for these moments. Only the Cowboys of the last 7, 8, 9, 10 years don't make trades at the trade deadline. But you do now. The San Francisco 49ers traded for Christian McCaffrey. And now the Eagles... And the 49ers are flatly, slightly a cut above the Dallas Cowboys at this point. At this point. Whatever anybody says about you don't trade for number one running backs, et cetera, et cetera, it doesn't make any difference. If you think you're a team that can win a Super Bowl and the 49ers are recognizing that they're pretty good, even though they're three and three, and that this is a somewhat depleted or weakened NFC. Right now, Rodgers and Brady suck. And the Vikings are maybe the cream of the crop. You don't believe that any more than I do. So the Eagles are deep. That's pretty good. But you've got questions about their quarterback, as you should have. So it's our year. Only San Francisco stepped in and said, it's our year, too. And Christian McCaffrey, if he stays healthy, and that's a big if, adds something to a team that bases their entire offense around running the football. They've struggled with it this year. Now they got arguably a top three running back in the NFL. It's a big deal. So the Cowboys are going to make calls, even though Jerry Jones said it was his experience that the best trades for him get made when someone calls him. I get that. We all, we all agree with that. We all play fantasy football. We know when someone else calls, you're a little bit in the driver's seat, but players need to come here. DJ Moore is an option for Carolina. It's a yard sale in Carolina. DJ Moore's had three straight 1000 yard seasons. And the, if you haven't watched him because Carolina sucks and you don't watch them, he is an electric player, just a little over six feet, but about two Oh five is faster than you think, stronger than you think, and makes those amazing plays and runs really good routes. I would love to have DJ Moore here. And to be honest with you, I don't give a damn what it costs. Robert Quinn was here three years ago. You remember that name? Uh, had 11 and a half sacks, and Robert Quinn is all business. I talked to Robert Quinn a ton when he was here. I liked him very much. There was no fucking around with Robert Quinn. It is football. It is all business. He's now three years older, but he's with the Bears, and it won't cost you all that much to get Robert Quinn why? Because we got good defensive ends. We don't need it. Yes, you do. I wish Randy Gregory was here and was healthy. You need, when you have the best defense and you can add three more players that can play on your defense, then your defense got better. If there's 60 plays in a football game, nobody that you like on the team, even Micah Parsons is playing 60 plays. Nobody. 40, 45, 25, 20, 18. Those are the level of plays, especially guys that are on the defensive line. They rotate in and out. There's room for Robert Quinn. It would be a great get. Other options, wide receiver Kendrick Bourne, hated in New England by Bill Belichick for whatever reason. He can hate you if he wants to. But Kendrick Bourne, just a couple of years ago in San Francisco, was wonderful in the red zone. He's 6'1", but he's got really long arms, like 37, 8-inch sleeves. So the, the, the high ball, up and away, out and low, whatever, he got really good at that. And the red zone is a really, really difficult place to play in today's NFL. 
because the athletes are so fast. I, I relate it akin to what's going on in the NBA. Do you know why NBA players are shooting from four feet behind the three-point line? Because the athletes are so fast and good that you think you've got an open shot and they're, your guy's 10 feet from you and he still gets there. He still runs you off. So the court had to get bigger because the athletes got better. Well, in the NFL, the end zone ain't any bigger. And when you're standing at your own 10 or, or even your own 20-yard line, there's not a lot of room. So those great athletes on these good defensive teams in the secondary, the safeties, the corners, and even the smallest linebackers can all run like the fucking wind. Nobody's open. These are teeny little windows. So a Kendrick Bourne would not cost you much. Belichick hates him, and he would help you in the red zone. This team needs to be able to score more touchdowns, especially when they get close to the end zone. And last but not least, if you watched Arizona play last night, Isaiah Simmons is a linebacker, but he weighs about 235, and he could slide into a Dan Quinn defense at linebacker, at a big safety position as a hybrid because aren't they all hybrids on the Dan Quinn defense? And he could help. Isaiah Simmons is a player, 31 or 2, I think, but a hell of a player, a hell of a build, a long reach, tough, loves to hit, loves to tackle. And I watched him last night, and then I hear he's available in trade, and I'm like, yes, please, on Isaiah Simmons. So DJ Moore, Robert Quinn, Kendrick Bourne, and Isaiah Simmons. There are other potential possibilities, but those are the ones for me that fit that best with this current Cowboys football team. That is your trade deadline conversation. We've talked about the offense. Now it's time to get to the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions were the number one offense in all of football until two weeks ago when they went to New England and got shut out. Jared Goff is a capable quarterback. You watched him as a Ram put up some monstrous games. Jared Goff doesn't suck. He is a stand-in-the-pocket quarterback. And when it's actually, he's not that different from Jimmy Garoppolo, to be honest with you. Maybe Jimmy's a little bit uh, more accurate, but they're not that different. Actually, I think um, this quarterback has a better arm. I really do. I, I think I think he's got a better arm, uh, Goff does. But He's got DJ Chark, and he now gets Amon Ra St. Brown. If you don't know him, by the way, Amon Ra is uh, uh, God of Sun. Amon Ra St. Brown, his brother plays for the Bears. Amon Ra St. Brown is God of Sun. The God of Sun returns to their offense, and that is the number one wide receiver that golf likes to throw to. DJ Chark is also a strong, fast receiver. They've got tight ends that can absolutely play. Their tight end is an all-pro type player, and DeAndre Swift returns so they have a really good running game. And the one thing that the Cowboys, if they're self-scouting, are looking at saying, we don't tackle good enough. So I think that you will see cornerbacks and safeties and linebackers flying at these running backs and flying at the ball, and you will see a little bit better job of team tackling with what is already a good defense. Cowboys and Lions, Cowboys 4-2, and two, Lions 1-4. and four. The Lions will have something up their sleeve. They've had a week off to suck on a 29 to nothing loss at the hands of the Patriots. They are well-rested. They're feeling good. They're getting a lot of their players back. They're healthy. The Cowboys are almost all, uh, also almost completely healthy as well. People that you heard about having dings or nicks all basically were full practice today on Friday. So the Cowboys are ready to go. What we are all watching for is one thing. We're watching for four to run out of the tunnel with 21 next to him and the energy that those two have and that that this building is going to be as loud as it's been in a long time because critics of Dak or not, you all miss watching somebody who can really deliver the football with some zip, somebody who is magnetic and dynamic and that this team loves. That is not a slam on Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush did fucking fantastic and made himself a bunch of money as a solid backup in this league for the next five years. Congrats to him that we wouldn't be where we are without him. But Dak is a difference maker, a top 10 quarterback in this league when he is 100% healthy. So say your prayers, cross your fingers, see that the Cowboys play an efficient game where Dak tends to grow during the game. 
because he's going to have to be pretty good against the Bears the next week. They can play defense. That's what we're looking for. He doesn't have to throw for 405 and four. He doesn't. And if they do that, I think they're making a mistake. Run the damn ball. Give Zeke and give Pollard their due. Give the offensive line their due. These guys have earned it. Give the defense their due. Before I leave, because there was one thing I had a problem with, and it's been the first time almost all year. But last week in Philadelphia, down 14 to nothing at your own 35-yard line, a sense of panic came over Mike McCarthy, who wanted to go for it. Fourth and one from his own 35, down two scores already. That is a slam to your defense, which is the best unit on your team. It's a slam to your punter and your special teams. It is the first half. There were probably five or six minutes left to go in the half. Punt the damn football. Let your defense play defense. Turn Philadelphia over. That quarterback makes mistakes. And play the damn game. Instead, and yes, C.D. Lamb got the first down, and that's another part of it. Uh, how, how, how you're saving timeouts with five minutes left to go in the first half, so much so that you would not take a look and see if C.D. got the first down, which he clearly did. Two terrible things in a row, but the one that bothered me the most was the sense of panic of we are going for this on fourth and one from our own 35 down 14 to nothing. It was not time to panic. It was a panic move. And I'll tell you what. Anybody with eyes and mine are iffy. An honest Cowboy fan, a football fan, anybody with eyes who was standing there at that time watching that game and looking at the Cowboys considering going for it on fourth and one and a half from their own 35. All of us, if we were honest in our hearts for a minute, throw analytics and all the other shit out the window, all of us would have said, there's no way you're picking it up. No way. There's 11 Eagles that line a scrimmage. And by the way, what you did was instead of running the football, which is the one good thing you do, right? Double team somebody on the left side and try and get a yard. You run a bootleg to the right with a quarterback who's already thrown two interceptions, ask him to throw a layered throw over the top of a linebacker on the move. He ain't made that throw all day. He ain't made that throw all year. So the play call, the notion to go for it at that time, you bailed on your defense, you bailed on the philosophies that got you here, and you put an average quarterback in a terrible position. So you think Cooper Rush sucked last week. The coaching staff and the offensive coordinator did not help. So I expect them to do better, and that's what I would say, and that's what I will try and do on the next off of the helmets. Do better. All of us do better, and please love each other. Thank you so much for watching. I'm thrilled to be back doing off of the helmets again. I'm thrilled and honored to be with DSP Media. I'm Brady Tinker. Enjoy the Cowboys-Lions game, then the Bears, then a bye weekend. Good shit is getting ready to happen for this team. And by the way, I'm posting five, six, seven, eight, nine videos a week at DSP Media Online, which are one- and two-minute updates about uh, what's going on at the Cowboys uh, star all week as well. So I'm happy to be back. Thanks for watching. Off of the Helmet, presented by our friends at DSP Media.